Many of us today are experiencing a feeling of exile. More frequently, we hear or say, I miss the way things were, a phrase commonly spoken about changes that are, at first, experienced as unwelcome, like a relationship ending, losing a job, or losing a place of privilege. But sometimes, it is in the midst of seasons of displacement that the greatest growth occurs and the greatest blessings are found. The exile of the Bible was a time of massive displacement when Israel was forced to leave behind many of its norms. And yet, it was during this season of loss that the Jewish faith underwent its most powerful and transformative spiritual growth. This Lent, by exploring the spiritual awakening of exile, we pastors hope to focus on areas needing attention in the church and country today. Join us as we go deeper into the search of faith to discover what can be found precisely when we think so much has been lost. Please pray with me. God of mercy, you promised never to break your covenant with us. Amid all forms of exile felt throughout the generations, speak your eternal word that does not change. Then may we respond to your gracious promises with faithful and obedient lives through our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Our first scripture passage comes from Genesis chapter 9, verses 1 through 3, and verses 7 through 11. Listen for God's promise after the flood and listen for God's word. Then God blessed Noah and his sons, saying to them, be fruitful and increase in number and fill the earth. The fear and dread of you will fall on all the beasts of earth and on all the birds in the sky, on every creature that moves along the ground, and on all the fish in the sea, they are given into your hands. Everything that lives and moves about will be food for you. Just as I gave you the green plants, I will give you everything. As for you, be fruitful and increase in number. Multiply on the earth and increase upon it. Then God said to Noah and his sons with him, I now establish my covenant with you and with your descendants after you. And with every living creature that was with you, the birds, the livestock, and all the wild animals, all those that came out of the ark with you, every living creature on earth, I establish my covenant with you. Never again will all life be destroyed by the waters of a flood. Never again will there be a flood to destroy the earth. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Ben was scheduled to preach on our text for today. And as you've heard, Ben and Valerie's sweet baby boy arrived a little ahead of schedule. We're so glad that everyone is home and doing well. As last minute pitch hit her for today's sermon, I must admit that I focused primarily on Jeremiah 29. But even in that text and the sermon that follows, I hope that you can hear the parallel to Genesis 9 and God's command to Noah and his family to make a new home, to find a new life in the light of God's covenant with them. I'm grateful to the work of my preaching group members, Jenny McDevitt and Sarah Wiles, for their exegetical work on Jeremiah 29. Their writing was most helpful to me in the short runway to Sunday. Let's turn together to the Old Testament prophet Jeremiah, beginning on page 630 of your Pew Bibles. Jeremiah has been left behind, so to speak. 
Following the fall of Judah and the exile of God's people, Jeremiah writes to his displaced countrymen. Hear now Jeremiah 29, beginning with verse 1 and skipping on to verse 4. These are the words of the letter that the prophet Jeremiah sent from Jerusalem to the remaining elders among the exiles and to the priests, the prophets, and all the people whom Nebuchadnezzar had taken into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. And continuing at verse 4, Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, to all the exiles whom I have sent into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon, build houses and live in them, plant gardens and eat what they produce, take wives and have sons and daughters, take wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage that they may bear sons and daughters, multiply there and do not decrease. But seek the welfare of the city where I have sent you into exile, and pray to the Lord on its behalf. For in its welfare, you will find your welfare. For thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, Do not let the prophets and the diviners who are among you deceive you, and do not listen to the dreams that they dream. For it is a lie that they are prophesying to you in my name. I did not send them, says the Lord. For thus says the Lord, Only when Babylon's 70 years are completed will I visit you, and I will fulfill to you my promise and bring you back to this place. For surely I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord, plans for your welfare and not for harm, to give you a future with hope. May the Lord bless the reading and hearing of this scripture. I was probably about 14 or 15 years old, when our youth group printed Jeremiah 2911 on our long sleeve t-shirts for the youth ski trip. I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord, plans for your welfare and not for harm, to give you a future with hope. It's a Bible verse I've seen printed on insulated coffee tumblers and embroidered on throw pillows, for I know the plans I have for you. Or, To put it in the language of its more commonly used evangelistic presentation, God loves you and has a wonderful plan for your life. This means nothing would happen to me or could happen to me outside of God's plan, right? Taken out of context, Jeremiah 29.11 offers an appealing affirmation. People sip from coffee mugs with fancy scripted verse 11, finding comfort in the assertion that God has a plan for our welfare and hope. No one, however, slurps coffee from a mug bearing Jeremiah 29 verse 10 about the long wait before the welfare happens, before the hope is realized. Only when Babylon's 70 years are completed will I visit you, and I will fulfill to you my promise and bring you back to this place. 70 years. Oof. Jeremiah 29 does offer important instruction and hope for God's activity in our lives, but we ought to proceed with caution about expecting that welfare on our own terms or within our own timeline. Typical of biblical prophets, Jeremiah wrote in a time of upheaval and loss. We heard it in previous weeks, 
The northern kingdom has long since been destroyed by the Assyrians. The southern kingdom has recently been defeated by Babylon. The elite have been driven into exile, and only the poor are left to tend to a burned-out land. Jeremiah has been preaching and prophesying at this point for decades. He had foreseen the destruction of Jerusalem. He had tried with all his might to get Judah to repent and turn to God. They had not listened to him in the end, and what he predicted and feared the most came to pass. Judah was no more. But instead of washing his hands of these tiresome people who wouldn't heed his warnings in the first place, Jeremiah digs in. He doesn't give up on them, and he continues to relay God's message to the exiles in a far-off land. In Jeremiah's day, lots of people had advice for folks in exile. One of the most popular prophets of the time was a man named Hananiah. Hananiah told everyone not to stress. This whole thing wasn't going to last all that long, maybe two, three years tops. Then they'd all be back home to life as usual. He encouraged the people to fight back and work hard as they could to get home again. His message was one of a can-do spirit and the power of positive thinking. But Jeremiah got a wholly different message from God. Jeremiah warns the people, brace yourselves. You are going to be here for a while. Instead of encouraging them to fight or have empty hope that their situation would surely change soon, Jeremiah said that God wants God's people to settle in. Pace yourselves, Jeremiah says. Get used to your new reality. Build a house. Plant a garden. Find a partner. If you already have children, they are going to grow up here, get married here, and have children of their own here. Settle in. And while you're at it, Pray for the welfare of these enemies, because their welfare is bound up in yours now. This is your home now, this foreign land you would not have chosen. We tend to assume that prophets have the gift to see the future. That's not quite right. Prophets were not gifted with the ability to see the future, but with the ability to see the present. That may sound strange to us, but being able to actually see is far more difficult than it sounds. Prophets then, and perhaps now, have the ability to see differently than others. And because they have the ability to see the present differently, they often anticipate a future different than the rest of us would. Between Austria and Italy, there's a section of the Alps that is impossibly steep. In 1842, an engineer named Karl Ritter von Jäger began imagining a railway that might one day span the distance connecting Vienna to Venice directly. It took years of planning and dreaming. It took 14 tunnels, 16 viaducts, 20,000 workers, and 12 years before the railway was complete. A railway then that was five times steeper than any other railway in the world. It was an incredible dream and an even more incredible accomplishment. In 1998, over 100 years after this completion, the railway was named a World Heritage Site, recognized for the advanced technology utilized in its creation. 
and for making this vastly beautiful, previously uncharted area accessible to humankind. It's considered a marvel of the modern world. But perhaps even more marvelous is the fact that at the time Von Jaeger conceived the idea, and even at the time of the excavation of the area and the construction of the tracks, there was no train in existence that could make the trip. In other words, one of the most ambitious projects in railway history was undertaken with no evidence, but with complete trust that someday, eventually, the right train would come along. Von Jaeger could see the present differently from others. And because he was able to see the present differently, he could anticipate a different future. As a prophet of God, Jeremiah had the brutal task of not only seeing the present differently, but anticipating a future no one else was ready for. Jeremiah had been a reluctant prophet. He didn't go out seeking the job. The job came to him. He tried to exchange it for another, but God wasn't interested in negotiating. For 29 chapters, we read Jeremiah's response to a very difficult and serious situation. No platitudes or cliches will do. Jeremiah sees the truth like it is, and he's not afraid to speak it as he sees it. There are times when we are faced with an ugly, horrible truth. Jeremiah's words are for the days when the ground shakes beneath us and our knees buckle. We can imagine the Israelites asking the hard questions. How long, O Lord? How long will we have to sing your songs in a foreign land? Why can't we? When can we just go back to life as normal? How long, O Lord? Where the pressures of the pandemic continue to loom over us. Why are thousands of young people in our country depressed and anxious? Why do tyrants in our world go unchecked? Why are nations at war and innocent people caught in the crossfires? Sometimes exile is a statement of geography, and sometimes it's a condition of the soul. It is whenever we are thrust into an unfamiliar and uncomfortable place, when the darkness feels too deep, when the unknowns loom too large, when you would give anything for just a little peace of mind. It was to those people, enduring that sort of a situation, that Jeremiah says, build homes and live in them, plant gardens and eat what they produce, grow a family create a community, and care about the city around you, even if it isn't the home you remember. In other words, keep going as best you can. Life will still emerge, even from the strangest and least likely of places. When Methodist pastor Jan Richardson unexpectedly lost her husband and creative partner, she says that at first she didn't know how to carry on. She felt lost, like she was wandering through a strange land. After time, though, she felt the call of God. She knew God was calling her to do what she had always known how to do, to write. So Jan took to writing blessings. These are not sugar-coated blessings, 
because they came not from a place of joy and beauty and happiness, but from the depths of her shock, anger, and sorrow. From the depths, she has brought forth words of surprising comfort and stunning grace. Her books, her poems, her blessings are chock full of hope, but they are hope in a minor key. Jeremiah's message is a message of hope, but it's hope in a minor key. Live. You will live, says Jeremiah. You will have homes and gardens and love, but it will be in this foreign land. The blessings of God are here right now because, says the Lord, I know the plans I have for you, plans for peace, not disaster. This is God's answer for us when we find ourselves in the places we would not have chosen. Settle in. Seek life here. Even in this exile, because I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord, plans for peace and not disaster, plans to give you a future with hope. This is where real hope comes from. It's not about being in happy, clappy, prosperity, gospel, denial all the time, because bad things happen and we don't get a pass. God doesn't promise that it will end quickly or that if we say the right prayers or do the right things, that bad things will go away. Instead, God promises to be with us even in the exile, to bless us with life, even in a foreign land that is not where we expected or wanted to be. Settle in, build houses, plant a garden, for I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord, plans for peace, not disaster, plans to give you a future filled with hope. I close with this blessing from Jan Richardson's poem, Blessing of Hope. So may we know the hope that is not just for some day, but for this day, here, now, in this moment that opens to us, Hope not made of wishes, but of substance. Hope made of muscle and bone. Hope that has breath and a beating heart. Hope that will not keep quiet and be polite. Hope that knows how to holler when it is called for. Hope that knows how to sing when there seems little cause. Hope that raises us from the dead. Not someday, but this day. Every day. Again and again, and again. Second Presbyterian, finding direction by following Jesus.